I dreamed of traveling the long road, singing my songs to that distant stranger. Yes, I know it's sad for you, but it's something I got to do. And I will be coming home, back to the mountains, back to being free from all there is to be. Coming home to live and the life I once knew. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Bedtime Bible Boys with Brock, Trey, and Theron TJ. Thanks Thanks for for listening. We love you, Mom. And you too, Gail. Today we had a fun day. One thing we got to do was go to a gymnastics meet for Trey. And I wanted to ask, Trey, what did you do or we do before the meet started? We prayed. We prayed. And, you know, we didn't necessarily pray that you would win or even that you would do perfect. Just that all the hard work and practice you've put into it would show up on performance and that regardless of how the performance ended up that you would have a strong identity in the fact that your position of value is identified in Christ and that it had nothing to do with rather you did well or messed up or didn't and just to remember that so that we could just have a fun time and then obviously you did really well you got some new things uh, successful that you had never done before and what did we do when we came home? We thanked the Lord. That's right. We prayed again. We thanked the Lord because we always just want to make sure in life, boys, that even if we get all A's in class or we get recognized for good behavior or we do something good in a sport, we always want to recognize who who's the source of everything we have. The Lord. The Lord. He created us. He's giving us the breath we're breathing. So we really can't ever brag about the things we accomplish or the successes we have. We can be proud of them. That's okay. We can be very thankful and happy for them, but we should always point back to Christ because it is only by him that we have any peace whatsoever. And we always point back to God because it's only by him that we were created. That's bigger than gymnastics. That goes into Brock, your schoolwork and... Um, my work as well and into everything we have we can give thanks to the Lord right it was a pretty fun day and you watched 101 Dalmatians Brock what would, who's your favorite dog in 101 Dalmatians I don't know well pick one there's like 103 dogs okay there is uh, like 103 like dogs 100 13 dogs. Which one's your favorite? I don't know. <laughs> Mine, Mine's a dad dog. Pongo? Yeah. Mine too. There's more adult dogs than like two. Uh-huh. I like Pongo too. He's a good dad. My second favorite is the Collie. And what I love is when they all just like roll around in the soot. I know. That's fun, isn't it? Yeah. And get all dirty. That does not look 
fine. But so that way they look like labs, like yeah. lab Labradors. Not I'm all a Labrador. Them. <laughs> Not all of them look the same. Some look pitch black and some look like just gray. You are correct. Well, let's continue on in Second Samuel chapter twenty-three. And we will finish up David's song that he is singing to the Lord, praising him for the victories that he had over the descendants of Rapha. These are the last words of David. The oracle of David, son of Jesse, the oracle of the man exalted by the Most High, the man anointed by the God of Jacob, Israel's singer of songs. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The Rock of Israel said to me, I love that name, the Rock of Israel said to me, when one rules over men in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he is like the light morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning, like the brightness after rain that brings the grass from the earth you know, these verses right now remind me of your mother. Something happened to her in her life where somebody uh, kind of just sent her a message about just some character traits, really, about your mom and about how, uh, how do I say this? Just some details that showed that your mother is being looked at and admired as a person of influence and for leadership and of a good heart. And I think that's cool because really what that is, it's another one of those things. All we can do is point back to the spirit because as the spirit grows in your mother, people are going to see something in her and it, they're going to see something that they like and something that they want more of. They may put it on the wrong things. Like somebody may come to somebody because they see something on the outside that they like, but they're, they're drawn to them by some kindness or some light that lies within them. And they might first give credit to the extra fleshly things, but as they get closer and closer to that person, they'll figure out they have the spirit of God at work in their heart and that spirit is producing fruit. And I want that same fruit. And once they identify the source, it's like all of a sudden your maturity and your growth and your leadership and your kindness and patience and gentleness they actually lead people to a stronger relationship with the Father because those people want what you have and they find out that the only reason you have it is because you're maturing your relationship with the Father. And that's where the fruit of the Spirit comes from. Fruit has to be grown. Truth, right? It doesn't just magically appear. It has to be grown. So that just reminds me of, of her when they're saying that uh, they're like a a light of morning at sunrise or on a cloudless morning or like the brightness after rain. So I just wanted to compliment her for that. I love her. Is not my house right with God? He has not made with me an everlasting covenant. Or has he not made with me an everlasting covenant arranged and secured in every part? Whew. That's true. Don't ever let anybody take that that the promise of Jesus is that he has made an everlasting covenant arranged and secured in every part. He didn't leave some possible sin 
that could separate you from him. Once you have accepted Jesus, believed him for who he is, accepted him as your savior and invited his spirit to live inside you, you are sealed. You are absolutely sealed. Even in those moments when it feels like you're falling away, you are sealed. Even when it seems like life is hard because of circumstances, you are sealed. Even if you have moments of difficulty believing, you are sealed in Christ. He has saved you in such a way that you will always come back to him when you have accepted him. You, he will not let you out of his hand. Okay, you've accepted him and you are sealed. So, I mean, I think that's good. He has arranged and secured every part. Will he not bring to fruition my salvation and grant me my every desire? But evil men are all to be cast aside like thorns, which are not gathered with the hand. Whoever touches thorns uses a tool of iron or the shaft of a spear. They are burned up where they lie. And that is the end of his song. So we continue on in verse 8. These are the names of David's mighty men. Josheb, Bashehebeth, a Tachmanite, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. That's the only part I know in the Bible that talks about him. He's a pretty bad dude. Who? <laughs> Josheb, Bashebeth. Hmm. He takes out 800 dudes. I mean, if I saw 800 people coming at me, I'd probably try and get away. <laughs> you know? He just pre- takes them out. He's a pretty bad dude. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai, the Ahohite. As one of the three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pastamim for battle. Then the men of Israel retreated. But he stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. Next to him was Shammah, son of Aji, the Hararite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down and the Lord brought about a great victory. This is cool. This is like, this is telling you why David was singing these songs because all this had happened and it was clearly a victory given to him from the Lord. Verse 13, during harvest time, three of the 30 chief men came down to David at the cave of Adullam while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold and the Philistines' garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty men broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, O Lord, to do this, he said. Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives, and David would not drink it. Such were the exploits of the three mighty men. That's pretty mighty too. There's this Philistine army camped at a city, and David is 
hiding in caves outside the city with his men. And David's thirsty. And I think he just probably just saying like any one of us would, gosh, I'm thirsty. And these three men were like, you know what? Our king wants water. Let's go get him some. And so they break through the lines of the Philistines. Now, it's one thing when the army's lined up, like that's the front line of the Philistines. It's one thing to break through it. If you break through the army, now you're like in the middle of all of them. You probably figure, I'm going to die. Right? Mm -hmm. But they don't even go there to fight. They break through the front line and then they go over to the well and they take the water and they leave with it. (laughs) That's pretty cool. When you can go into your enemy's territory and take the water and leave with it, that's this is going to be the last thing we talk about. This vision just came to me. <sighs> Think of this world as the Philistines' front line. And think of the people as the water. And what we're trying to do in our life is participate with God to break through that front line of the Philistines, to break into the places where we go in this world and go find those people and carry them back to Christ. Doesn't mean we're the ones doing it. He's doing it. But we get to participate. Does that make sense? He needs workers for the harvest. And the Lord delivered these three people because they were bringing something back to the king that he wanted. Now, I know David refused this, right? But let's not get caught up on that part. I think the point is, is that let's remember that as we go about our lives. We are in a place behind enemy lines, behind the Philistine lines, and we are in a battle. Like it or not, spiritual warfare is happening all around us. That's just the truth. And Satan does not want people to know the peace and freedom that Christ has for them. He wants people to be stuck trying to be perfect before they can get to God. You know what the problem is? With that thought of you have to be perfect before you can go to God, what's the problem with that? None of us can be perfect. Yes. We're never going to be perfect. So if you're believing a theology that says I have to be perfect before I can be accepted by God, guess what? You're never going to be accepted. You're never going to qualify for Christ if you think you have to clean up first. You're only going to qualify for Christ when in humility you say, I need him. He's my only hope. But we can go behind enemy lines and we can go find those people and we can carry them back. Even though the enemy is going to be all around us. Even though we're going to be criticized. Even though we're going to be attacked. Even though we're going to be mocked. Even though we're going to be laughed at. We can carry them back. It's worth it. Our enemies who laugh at us now, they will have to watch as we feast at the Lord's table in eternity. And rather they like him or not, one day every knee will bow. And what will they confess? That Jesus is Lord and that he is their Savior. That Jesus is Lord. 
That's right. They may not call him their savior, but they will call him Lord. So you can rest in that. When you feel that pressure from all the Philistines around you, when you're behind the Philistine lines trying to do the, trying to participate in the Lord's work to get that water and bring it back, sometimes it may get discouraging. You just remember, no matter what anybody tells you, you will one day feast at the Lord's table. He has anointed your head and your cup overflows. Surely goodness will follow you and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And these are the promises we live by. We know they're true. And so you can be secure in every situation, even when all the Philistines are against you. Does the metaphor make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, I love you, boys. I love, I love you, too. You guys are good kids.